good people. It's Reg. It's Stone. And it's day 425 of the <laughs> pandemic. I am down to my last bag of Fritos, one package of M&M's, one slightly defrosted pizza pie, and three Skittles. Dude. It's looking bleak, but we will survive. You, 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 humanity will survive. You got to get chopped kitchen with that, man. <laughs> that, that that's my new goal in the pan, pandemic. Like looking at my kitchen and just like throwing some shit together, and like I was like, oh, I can put this on Food Network. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if you go to like foodie Twitter or like social media or fucking Instagram, if there's like pandemic meals popping right about now. <laughs> it is people like <laughs> I've got ramen, <laughs> three cans of soup, and an old tomato. Let's see what we can do, dude. You you could you could flex that though. You could flex that True. easy, easy. You can flex that, yeah. <laughs> I could be t- like like brothy chili romany thing. Yeah. peppers. I can imagine that. I can imagine it. Yeah, that's you know. easy, fam. Yeah. It's, it's, it's when you get to those weird things where suddenly like you've got like fucking you know like apricot jam or some shit. Yeah, that's, not, that's where you get difficult. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you you know who's not worried about. About trying to, you know, throw some stuff together in, in his kitchen. You know who Who's can just that? <laughs> who could just call <laughs> his butler and be like, "Yo, <laughs> your boy Drake." It's it's. I don't think there's ever been a man so popular yet so unbelievably corny. <laughs> like like it's weird to have the world's most popular rapper. Also, arguably, probably one of its corniest. You, you know, all the people who warned us about Drake 10 years ago told us this will happen. It's, it's, uh, and, 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 because I, I still can get over his house, and I use that in quotes, because my man just basically built a, a museum, a Las Vegas museum. So you look at it, and it's just like, how do you even, like, I wouldn't even want to take a shit in there. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, this This does not feel homely at all. This feels like basically punishments. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's like the hip-hop Liberace of houses, you know? <laughs> hip-hop Liberace. <laughs> it's, just, it's just way, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's way too grand. And, you know, I don't know, fam. Um, so, so listen... Like, like you can't pick muffins in there. You can't do basics. Like you can't fucking like it's it's just so dry and cynical and tacky looking. It's just like you can't like like the like I can't imagine walking barefoot. You know what I'm saying? The, the floors are probably all cold and oh, shit. Oh yeah. And he's and he step on his fucking you know luxurious bear rug from like fucking 1902 Britain that probably cost 20 G's and he fucking he's yelling at oh, you and shit. Well, he has, and it doesn't feel like the place can kick it. Well, I mean, he has a two hundred thousand dollar mattress. Yeah, you like, see, like dead ass, two hundred thousand dollar mattress. You can't now, like you can't, like ugh, come on, man. Like, you, it's you can't. You, you imagine you drooling that mattress. You know what I'm saying? Now he's fucking. Now you got to cause fucking ten G's of fucking somebody to come clean it up and shit. It probably needs a special fucking, you know, like cleaning detergent and shit. It's just you can't. You know, you, it doesn't feel like a home. No, I feel you. I feel you. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like we both contributed to Drake's Bimeline by streaming his latest. I don't know what he's calling this. What is he calling this again? Like, is this is a mixtape. 
It's it's uh, according to the Drake narrative, which is always this, you know it's, it's always a story that somehow his homies are like yo you know these hypothetical homies because we know he has no friends are on some like <laughs> yo you need to go collect all the streets are thirsty for your Lucy's dog you need to go out there and collect all this stuff and put it out there for the people during this time of of, of pandemic need and thus we have an album that is pretty mid yeah. And I, so here, here's my take on it. It's kind of like a Honda Accord, right? It's you know, <laughs> it, it's it'll get you there, it'll get you going. Like it's reliable. You know, there's songs that slap. The songs that are okay. The songs that are kind of anthems. It's literally, it's the mo- one, probably the most predictable Drake albums, I think, in his repertoire in his collection right it's not not really invent reinventing the wheel you know you have your dark kind of like moody beats you have drake pretty much being a fuck boy you have <laughs> you know all, all the points yeah all, like, all the points you expect in a drake yeah it's like, like you have everything and it's not it's not bad and actually the more i listen to it the more i actually enjoy it um, you know, there's there's tracks like uh, oh, what's the Florida one? Like I was playing that on repeat. I'm just like, this is actually pretty dope. Like the beats are dope. Um, you know, like Drake is not. You know, he he can always string a few words together and make them impactful, <laughs> right? Like like he's not, you know, he's not like a Twenty One Savage, right? Like he's always gonna come through and at least give it his all in terms of like rapping. Um, but yeah, it's True. just it's. It, it's just it's fine it's it's completely mediocre but that's not saying it's, it's bad <laughs> it's it's very ser- serviceable you know it's, it's very it's very and like i said it's not it's not great but it's not trash you know it's true agreed agreed but it's weird to me because all right so so going back to the idea of drake hitting the numbers right and you'll always so Drake has had a formula down, and it's a great formula. I'm, you know, we could talk about ghostwriting, yada, yada, yada. It's kind of cool having, you know, somebody from... And, and, I, and I get the whole argument about having, you know, he's a sellout, he doesn't write his shit, he's more of a singer than a rapper. You know, taking a couple of steps back, it's cool having a person of color, it's cool having somebody from hip-hop kind of being like the, the, you know, like the top of the pop row. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, you know, Drake is as big as Taylor Swift. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So looking at, you know, forgetting about the, the intent of art and everything else, just to see somebody winning, it's cool to see somebody from the culture winning. My issue, though, is the fact of, like, and like you said, it's very much Drake by the numbers. It's not bad, but I, I would almost want to hear a bad Drake album, I think, at this moment in time, because at least it'd be an interesting album. Because it feels like even with the tracks, like, all right, so that first song, Deep Pockets, it's, like, it's got, like, this slow sample, and there's a part where you mentioned something about being in his 20s, so I guess that's one of the fewer old tracks that made it on there. But what's funny is the fact of, I actually like that, but then right after you fall into When to Say When, which is basically, like, modern, modern Drake, because he's talking about being mom and everything else, and it's just, like, you could kind of see... Like between that track, which sounds like it's a little bit older Drake track, to this track, which is definitely a more modern one, like he doesn't seem as enthused. And it feels like the only time he feels enthused is when, for the most part, somebody else pops in. Like, like even though Chris Brown is also a fuckboy and doesn't really do anything, 
at least in the Chicago freestyle with him doing that weird vocal vamp, makes it a more interesting song. Uh, the Pain, 1993, which pretty much has arguably one of the best bars I've ever heard in many years from Playboy Cardi. <laughs> <laughs> it's a masterclass in modern hip hop and vocal dexterity. But even with like like Playboy Cardi doing the worst Playboy Cardi impression ever, Drake was felt a little bit more alive. And that's not to kind of say anything to a certain extent because Drake is somebody where like a lot of the great Drake songs are him being mopey. So obviously, you know, Drake being mopey over an, a whole album isn't anything that's special or anything that's out of, you know, like you said, it's expected. But for me, it seems like a l- little bit more phoned in than I expected. Like, so like, even like, so you got like towards the end, you have like those two, I mean, I'll say, I'll say BK drill, but definitely oh yeah, at least the beats are kind of treading the line more on fucking grime. Like you have demons and you've got war. So yeah, Fat Fivio Foreign, I always forget oh. pronounce his name with demons, right? So yeah. Drake is there, beats more aggressive. It feels like those dudes are out rapping Drake, but at least it's a, it's a at least it's a noble experiment. And then you've got war afterwards, which kind of like I said, it, it's weird watching somebody who generally, even when he's phoning it in, sounds smooth, kind of sound tired. If that makes any words sense. Yeah, definitely, and, and I think it's very interesting too because like calling this a demo tape kind of i feel like that's his way of saying like this is my cop out right this is my <laughs> it's not real guy it's not a real album <laughs> you know it's it's just like my demos man like don't don't take it so so seriously it's just my demos you know um but he does though that's what because that yeah. tipsy slide shit like like you look like hotline bling obviously i won't say controversial but people are cracking cracking their jokes and everything else but you had the cute little video. You had the little melody. Like it's by any stretch of the imagination, you would have heard that song and say, "Hey, that's a good song." Might not be for you if you're a pure hip hop head. Might not be for you if you want pure, unadulterated fucking Taylor Swift type pop. But you listen to it, it's like, all right, for what he's going for here, this is this is a good. This is this is good. And you look at it like Tootsie fucking slide, where he's just like fucking like a generic ass fucking, you know, dance and a generic ass beat and nothing interesting about it. So it's it's weird. Like I said, it's this sounds like tired Drake. I don't know if I like tired Drake. I, I like petty angry Drake. I like yeah. fresh breakup Drake. I like, I like Drake. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, She's like answering his phone calls, Drake. Well, that's that's the Chicago freestyle. With with true, <laughs> and apparently Sanfo did not give the clearance <laughs> for his voice. Oh no way! <laughs> no, I, no, I don't know. I don't know if it's true. But Givian sounds oh. like Sanfo. Givian singing the hook. Oh yeah, like Sanfa. oh yeah. By that's not Sanfo. <laughs> that's not. Holy shit! That's not Sanfo. That's not Sanfo. Wow. That's not Sanfo. No, you were fucking lying. Givian. Ice. Holy shit! Who? Whoa. I don't even. I don't even know who Givian is. Uh, Yo, that's such damn dog. Yeah, so I'm like, I, I feel like, like, I wonder if Giving was singing reference for Sampha, or like Sampha like was like, "Yo, you can't put this on the thing," and I, I don't give my clearance. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, it's wow. not, it's not Sampha. It's not Sampha Holy at all. Holy shit! Uh, this cat, cat Givian, who uh, looks like he's American actually, but um, but yeah, no. So like, like, yeah, I, I, I feel you. I, I definitely feel like. Um, you know, something like More Life, which is another one of Drake's kind of like, this is not our album, guys, project, was at least playful, at least experimental. At least he was like playing around with, um, you know, just like different formats and things like that. Whereas this, 
basically, I think he dropped this because Tusi Slide is, I think, in the, I don't know if it's number one song or, or not, but obviously the way that streaming numbers are counted, um, Tusi Slide's single streaming numbers count towards the album. And I think that right now he's like neck and neck to be like number one in the country. So I feel like he kind of just dropped this to maximize the streaming game and that another number one album, which again, I'm not mad. The data scientists have figured the game out and I can't be mad at somebody who figures out how to play the game, especially a person of color. Right. But yeah, outside of that, it's, it's, it's like I said, like, like there are tracks on here that I'm going to save to my playlist that slap you know like like uh, uh from florida with love i like deep pockets i like when to say when you know like 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 i think there's some some tracks here that are actually pretty dope you know so i'm not you know, even i'm not even mad um you know, i like I, I like the i like the pay 1993 the playboy cardi song i i, I love the not Tampa song apparently <laughs> <laughs> i don't like that song because drake's being a fuck boy again but like <laughs> That's that's it's, it's I like it's that's 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 peak Drake. Like I said, I, I need Drake. That's where he gets his power. Every time there's a girl crying out there, it's like it's like fucking it's like fucking Thanos in the Power Stones. Every time there's a girl cr- mad, you know, crying through a homegirls over the phone, Drake gets more powerful and shit. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, it, it's definitely I, yeah. It, like I said, I mean, I feel like we shouldn't take this as serious. Um, I mean, I guess there's still an, an official album, but now maybe that gets pushed back, right? Because this 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 whole demo tape thing is going to ride out for another few months, and now the album maybe gets pushed back in the fall. Maybe that's what that's the thing where maybe he wanted to do an album, he want to be like Fiona and just drop it, you know, during the quarantine. He's like, no, nah, I need to do my press and like and pub so i'm going to drop that album in the fall winter and this this is going to be like the kind of makeup so i can get another number one album but yeah it just look it's it's definitely stuff that he threw together it's definitely something that like i'm trying not to take seriously but i can't not take it seriously right like like you put this out as a body of work so i you know like i said it's when we come back to this album in two weeks three weeks Four weeks. Oh no, it's it's even and like I said even the songs like 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 the even the songs I like on this would have been like like good filler songs on like fucking other other Drake albums. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it, there's no it is, that's just the weird thing, and maybe that's the weird thing about it all. There's no hits here. Like for somebody who's supposed to be a pop dude, I, there's nothing here where I could see like and obviously Tissy Side is gonna do his numbers. You know Drake is a brand. Nothing's gonna change. But there's nothing here where it's just like I could I could imagine that we're gonna revisit even fucking like like you said like 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 a couple of weeks from now we won't be listening to it and even in like you know like a year from now when this this crappy you know white you know high school rom com movie shit on Netflix and they need a Drake song none of these will even make the cut you know what I'm saying it's just kind of like that it's kind of there yeah yeah definitely definitely but you know I do have to say like the last word. I do have to say, like, even for for a bunch of throwaways, the production is still solid, you know. And oh, I think yeah. I think that's the formula, right? Like, he has like so many good producers that he can choose from that he literally can throw this shit together, you know, like like while <laughs> while trying to like you know while sipping cavassier, 
on his MacBook, and it still sounds solid, right? And I think that's a testament to like this. Like he has a system, which is kind of crazy, and it's almost like you can throw anything into that system, and it sounds listenable. And again, I'm not mad at that. Uh, I, <laughs> so, like can't, can't, I guess that, yeah. Like I said, it's, it's, it's cool. Just even though we we may go short of this, go short of that, it's cool to see somebody from the culture doing big things. I'm not gonna hit another black dude's success. You know what I'm saying? So you know, props no, to him. I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. Uh, so next on the list, um, a sad one. Um, Tony Allen passed away. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is kind of, you know, it, it's crazy. And I don't know. I, I feel like people either know Tony Allen or they don't know to- Tony Allen, right? Afrobeats drummer, worked with Fela Kuti, uh, Africa 70. Um, and a lot of people think about, when they think about Afrobeat, a lot of people actually don't think about the drums, right? They don't think about, like, they think about, like, the guitar and, like, like I feel like that's kind of, like, the driving rhythm. But, like, you know. Guitars and the horns. Yeah. And the horns, like, you know, all that. But the, the drums are, like, what makes it. Um, and Tony Allen was a part of a lot of that stuff. Um, and I guess he left uh, Fella in, like, 70, 71. Uh, he's been doing a lot of different things. Worked with gorillas. Worked with, like, gorillas a lot, actually. Um, for a while, for like the past like ten fifteen years, him and Damon Albarn were like like we're, we're like best friends. So, um, yeah, it's it's a loss for the culture. You know, it's definitely something where it's one of those people that you don't understand, and maybe if you don't know them, you won't respect them. But like their work has contributed to to everything um, that we know about music, especially when you listen to like like when Drake was doing his Afrobeat thing. <laughs> You know, like all those beats and rhythms <laughs> were credited, you know, should be credited to Tony Allen. Yeah, no, it's, it's something where, and it felt like, a, I mean, obviously, it was like a classic, period. But it felt like particularly, at least for, for my generation, back when I was younger, like it seemed like, like, let's say, even though that era of R&B wasn't directly indebted to Afrobeat the way Afrobeat, like literally this current pop form is popping now. It felt like when I got exposed to Fela was like, you know, around like the Neo Soul type shit because it's like obviously a lot of those who were paying homage to, to older black musicians and while they couldn't do Afrobeats, it felt like parties were popping. It felt like you, if I would show up for one of the, when I, you know, like like Questlove would spin fucking the fella set, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It'd be like fucking that kind of era, and it, and it kind of shows you how, even though as far as, let's say, like the pop charts in the fucking U.S. and shit, there wasn't this crazy fucking, like, you know, like, you know, fella doesn't have any fucking crazy number one hit in the fucking United States, but the idea where he created this massive discography that continues to live on they continue to continue to release it i think erica badu had something a year or two ago where i guess she curated like a fucking release of his and then look and then like i said tony allen was there it's basically like we like I said we think of the horns think of the guitar think of all these things but really it's all literally about the beat and that was all tony allen and like it's um i think it was a. Uh, like, you know, I think it was in the 70s to the 80s, somehow him and Fella kind of fell out, and he kind of moved to France. He, yeah. got, he got into heroin, got out of it, and from that point on, like you said, he's been he's been kind of working. So I remember there was a, they had a super group of a dude from Demon Auburn from um, the Gorillas called The Good, Abandoned, and the Queen, and I think they had the basis from The Clash there. 
and I remember when I heard the idea, and I was like, what the fuck? I was like, how old is Homie? But he kind of killed it. Like, I, I did, on that album, there's a little song, the very last song, which is like maybe like eight minutes long, and it's just a dude, the bassist is laying on his bass line, and he's just fucking killing it. This fucking dope rhythms. And he's somebody who was like, he's still probably, like, until the day the day he died, he's probably one of the best drummers in the world. You know what I'm saying? So it was cool having somebody just work at that fucking high level for just a long career, still make dope music, still make current music, because it's not like something, you know, he's somebody where he could easily be doing it. And, and you know, no, no diss to Tony Bennett. <laughs> We could easily been doing like the oldie, you know, I'm going to be doing this, you know, prestigious musician type stuff. Two was doing shit with the gorillas, like you said, which is not any, by any stretch of the imagination, anything that would be seen as esteemed and proper by, you know, stopping musicians. But he was somebody, obviously, was like, yo, you, you're doing some cool shit, I'll fuck with you. And for somebody to be doing that for pretty much, like, I think he died at 79, like 80 years, like pushing 80, that's crazy to me. And, you know, yeah. it's... it's it sucks and it's a loss, but goddamn, what a fucking life. So, you know, you know, rest in power. Yeah, definitely, definitely. R.I.P. R.I.P. So, uh, so yeah, I, all right, so there's two things that I put on here on the notes. One's pandemic news, but one's some hopeful news. Quickly, <laughs> the pandemic news. Um, so, I, there's a person I know who owns a music venue in D.C., and um, he posted on Facebook. He was just kind of like, you know, pretty much he owns a music venue and, you know, the government shut it down, but there's no, like, path for him to reopen. Like, nobody said, hey, like, you're going to reopen in October or November. And he's basically, like, you know, I think the day he was supposed to shut down, it was supposed to be the 10-year anniversary of his venue. Um, and if you live in D.C., you know what venue it is. I don't know if I want to put all of his business out on Front Street, but... Um, but you know, obviously it didn't happen. Uh, that was back in like March, like Marchish, and essentially he was just kind of like, "Yo, like, like if the government doesn't say anything or support me, um, I'm out. It's a wrap in like uh, you know three months, three four months, right? Because you know he still has to pay rent, but he's not booking shows. You know, the venue is really small, so it's definitely like." There's no social distancing you can do in that venue. <laughs> <laughs> and it's in a basement, you know? Um, but I think it's like one of those things where um, these venues are struggling and not, you know, your live nations, but like your small music venues, um, you know, are like, they're struggling, they're not booking shows, and there's no path for them to reopen. Um, so apparently, like, the mayor of London is raising a fund of like 2.5 million pounds um, to support like small music venues and creators and also too like with a focus on the LGBT community out there and I was like wow that's pretty cool um, it's cool just because it's spearheaded by like the mayor of London right like and and like the way that he was phrasing it is basically saying you know like the city of London is nothing without its music industry and it's true. Like, New York is nothing about its music industry, its creative industry. Like, same for D.C. or Atlanta or L.A., you know, like, whatever. Um, but this is, like, the first city that's actually not only acknowledging that, but, like, putting some money behind that. Um, awesome. Which is really cool. Um, I think there's still some questions around, like, how the money's going to be distributed. So, I, you know, I'm sure like, there's going to be some drama around that or whatnot. But at least there's somebody who's actually kind of acknowledging that um, the loss of music venues is a huge loss. 
and it's a huge loss to the culture of the city. Um, and, and at least trying to commit like money towards you know helping out artists and venue owners and, and like small venue owners kind of navigate through this whole mess. So uh, yeah, you know, shouts out to to uh, Mr. Khan, like the the mayor of London. Um, hopefully, we could do something like that in New York. Yeah, no, it, it's it's it sucks, and there's a lot of smaller venues nowadays. House of Yes, Ode to Babel, Saint Vitus, where they've been doing some kind of some you know some some sort of fundraising. What I like about what they've done is a lot of those fundraising tends to be like you know you know also has the idea of keeping their employ their employees kind of like like safe and you know some, some of the funds go towards them some of the some of the times where like i know if the live streams like a fossil yes the djs are able to kind of put up their stuff to get some money from that also like it's been very communal but i think the issue is that and and maybe i don't know this is where it gets oddly political but it makes you wonder if, like, because, you know, U.S. is such a primarily Christian nation, I just think they think that the idea of there'll always be philanthropy, there'll always be somebody willing to kind of help out, and then, they'll, you know, people are always willing to give. And that's true to a certain extent. But at the same time, a lot of these initiatives won't work without government money, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Because, you know, yeah. like, well, I do like, like you know, and I like these spaces, but it's very telling of the sides outside of Ode to Babel slash Good Life. These are, you know, primarily white spaces that they're able to draw presumably from an audience that has, you know, like, you know, based in neighborhoods like Williamsburg, you know, based in neighborhoods like Greenpoint, you know, great based neighbors like Bushwick. It's a lot easier to kind of keep those venues going because the client base was able to spend X amount of money there and it's a built-in fan base as opposed to a lot of smaller, you know, POC run venues. And I think you're going to have that that balance where, like, it, it would be, like, you know, it sucks. It's like, you know, the concept of, like, you know, you have, like, a and, and, and again, no diss to, like, a place like Marquee, but you got a place where, you know, DJ Paulie D will show up there and spin. Obviously, they've got a lot more recourses there to kind of <laughs> keep their show going. <laughs> and that audience is kind of more built in than, let's say, a small divey place that primarily plays, let's say, fucking diaspora music, or even like a, a crazy metal bar like St. Vitus, you know, if, if you don't want to keep it just purely based on like, you know, like social, de- social demographics. There's a lot of small, niche, cool places, you know, queer places, you know, experimental music, you know, things that don't fit into like, oh, this is a, this is, this is just our top 40 bar. This is just our hip hop club. This is just our, you know, new wave club. There's a lot of these small, unique spaces that kind of need to help because they don't necessarily have the kind of money or the kind of fan base to lean on to kind of get these donations. The only ones who really kind of do are government, and they kind of should because, like you said, New York, people came to New York, people come to New York because of the vibrancy of it. When this all settles and, you know, we're able to go out and experience things, with the closure of these restaurants, with the closure of these live music venues, with the closure of these bars... Why be in New York? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Literally, yeah, 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 and, and that's the thing. Like, and I feel like, again, you know, like nobody from the highest levels is kind of saying that. And I understand, like, you know, we're still doing dealing with the pandemic. We still have people dying every day. Like, there's still a lot of like things happening, but you know, all we're getting kind of getting from our leadership is like oh, well, like, live music's not going to come back till 2021, right? And that just doesn't help anybody, right? That just yeah. doesn't... <laughs> and, and I get it. 
it. And, it, and it's no diss. Obviously, keep it twenty twenty one. And even and like I said, these people have all been gracious. They've been like, yeah, definitely, we want to keep everybody safe. Number one, but yeah. you gotta help them come back. And then also the artists too. Like you know, like it, it's like it's it's weird to me to see a lot of these places step up, which are pretty much. And I'm gonna get my little political. Like you know, their business is at the end of the day, and it could easily be like fuck you. But even these guys are stepping up because there's that much of a void for a lot of these artists for DJs for like yeah. performers, for people who were able to kind of etch out some kind of living in a crazy expensive city by performing the art. That got completely taken away from them. And to the testament of these people, they aren't out there, you know, you know, rampaging through state houses demanding that they could get haircuts. Shouts to... <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they see the bigger picture and, and they're taking that sacrifice. And, and it's kind of fucked up where you got these people who whose lifebloods are definitely tied into what's happening, what's been taken away. And even they are willing to kind of go for the greater good. And it's only cool that society kind of pays them back. That's all. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. So, uh, yeah, shouts, shouts to London. Uh, shouts to London! Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Where, where are we going next? We, we going uh, to... So talk about music. La musica. Let's go, let's go new music. Let's go new music. All right. Uh, for me, it's going to be... I guess it's it's an easy one. It's Ka. Ka, Descendants of Cain. Who is Ka? Ka is a MC from this place called New York, from this place called Brownsville. And unlike the stereotypical Brownsville rapper who, I just said that out loud, is there a stereotypical Brownsville rapper? There's only really, if you think about it, there's only two, <laughs> basically yeah, MOP. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, only MOP. <laughs> so if you so for people for all for all our listeners who don't like rap music, which is pretty much none, I'm gonna explain to you. You know, you you've got MOP and they do a very sh- a very aggressive form of hip hop. I mean, let me put on my 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 outside cultural anthropologist voice. A very call and response, very aggressive. You know, very very primal form of hip hop. Where Ka Ka does something more introspective, more monkish, more relaxing. But uh, to kind of say it more seriously is um, with Ka, it's you know, dude, day day job is basically a fireman. You know, has been making hip hop music for like twenty plus years, and I guess in the current incarnation, it's very minimalist, very street heavy, but less about like it's it's just kind of like. I don't know. I mean, all I can tell you is like it's like reading a really good like novel if that makes any word sense. Where it's something where the beat just stripped down, there's almost no drums. Um, most of his tracks are self-produced. He's got you know, so he'll get a beat from like Rock Marciano because they're cool, things like that. But it, he just kind of has built this little weird corner of hip hop, which is kind of just him, and it's just like this very heady, very wordplay orientated, very moody, all about atmosphere kind of like sphere. And usually it's it's a big deal where you know, somebody where normally drops an album, announces on social media. You can't necessarily stream the album, at least at first. You got to go meet him, usually in fucking downtown Brooklyn. He's selling the records out of his car. It's, it's something he does less about to, like, you know, exclusivity. But, like, from his perspective, he's like, I just want to meet my fans. So with this record, obviously, he can't do that. He's put on his website for 20 bucks a pop. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's dope. I mean, I know he said supposedly to hit streaming sooner than later. But, you know, if you're a fan of, let's say, minimalist hip-hop, and I hate even that term, minimalist hip-hop, if you're into some dope-ass music, fuck that shit. If you're into some <laughs> dope-ass music, it's fucking, like, in my opinion, you know, somebody who grew up in the era where you used to actually buy CDs and shit, 
Like it's twenty bucks well spent. It's, it's a it's a dope ass record. You know that's all. The, you know what? That's actually really dope. That it's kind of old school like that. And I feel like I don't know, man. I I, I feel like you know now the artists don't have that that live music uh, stream in terms of like concerts. I feel like we're gonna have to figure out like more ways to just put more money in artists' pocket. So. Um, and that, you know, I, I I wouldn't mind like handing an artist like a twenty in cash. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's it's you know, and, and on on the street, like like I feel like maybe we can get back to some of those things because I do think that that that's missing, that's been missing in the past, like you know, ten fifteen years. Um, yeah, and it, and it's like particularly at a time like this, like that to be funny, like music is kind of you know this is when I lean on a I'm I'm up in my entertainment value because it's less entertainment out there, and also b like music is something emo hits me and a lot of people emotionally. It's like I've been listening to a lot more music as a result, so it's it's cool to kind of give it back as opposed to giving them you know point oh 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 one cents on a dollar to yeah. Spotify. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Uh, cool. So, yo, quickly for me, I, I do have to say, I, I got into this, this wormhole of British female singer-songwriters of color. And, like, the algorithm kept, kept, That like, sounds like Reggie's dating attempts more. in the 20s. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it all failed miserably. <laughs> I feel you, man. I feel you. Um... Uh, so yeah, there's there's like a few different artists I've been listening to, like kind of in the same vein. And I don't know what it is about like what's in the water over there, but I feel like they, you know, all these all three of these artists are like really good at what they do. Um, but there's an emphasis on craft and songwriting. Um, Joy Croaks is one of the artists. Um, she has this amazing song called "Mother May I Sleep with Danger." Which is the best title of, of 2020. Yeah, that's kind of awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's uh, Arlo Parks, which I don't know if I talked about Arlo Parks in this on this podcast or not, but another really solid singer-songwriter out of London. Um, a little bit more on that kind of singer-songwriter-like tip as opposed to uh, maybe you know what you think about like most black females doing a little bit more Fiona Apple and a little bit less Ari Lennox. Let's just put it that way. Um, right. It's actually it's a, it's a really cool album. It's very introspective, really cool, um, just really kind of like stripped down, down to earth. Uh, and then like the last artist I've been listening to from from this kind of trio is K Young. Um, who put out this really cool EP called Actually last year, um, which I could I can't tell if she does production and she doesn't have a lot of like you know uh, content around her. Um, all like her claim to fame is apparently she was uh, found founded founded by J Electronica and signed to Rock Nation. <laughs> Which you know what? Not, so many know. easy jokes, which I'll, I will I will save us from. <laughs> <laughs> we never we never talked about that album, by the way. Uh, and we and I, mean, I com I completely forgot about it too. It's it's I it's, I don't want to I will not take away from the female shine. Okay, all right. So so, so anyway, we're, we're gonna have look, actually look next week. We're making it a point to talk about a J Electronica album. 
Like, like that album came and went so quickly. Like, I, oh, I didn't, I didn't know what happened until I, I mentioned, oh, J Electronica. Like, oh shit, yeah, album out. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we have to give it to give some some words. But yeah, no, we're gonna have a we'll 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 we'll, we'll dip in there next week. We'll have, we'll have a, we'll, yeah. only only a mere three months later. But yeah, let's yeah. Do this. But but anyway, the the K Young uh, EP called Actually really dope. Um, the thing I like about it is they have these interludes. They're just like these inter- instrumental beat interludes. And I don't know if she produced them or not. I hope she did. I couldn't find a record of them. Um, but I don't know. It's just like it's it's, it's different from Ar- uh, Arlo Parks and Joy Croaks, who are just kind of more in that singer-songwriter vein. Uh, Kay Young is kind of like rapper-singer, more boom-bap hip-hop vein. Uh, but again, it's like I... I I love going down this wormhole. I think all three of these artists are really dope. Um, they're they're still kind of un, underheard and unknown. Um, and yeah, you know, like like I'm glad uh, I was able to take that journey. So uh, thanks, algorithm. Thank you. <laughs> Shouts. <laughs> <And> it, it... <laughs> no, I'll definitely give it a listen. Like it's it's something where I it, I mean, not, well, what black woman try to tell y'all continuously. <laughs> And I, I think we need to kind of keep on supporting him. So, yeah, so I'll, I'll add that to my list. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. And I, and I think that's it for this this episode. Yeah. You know, join us next week for our J Electronica special. We'll be going through. We'll be we'll be tackling any and all questions about J Electronica. You know, we'll have Dude. the Rothschild section. We'll have the. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like we're going to forget again. I don't want to promise the people anything. I feel like we're going to forget just like we forgot like three months ago. <laughs> but, but maybe it's a good thing. I, I, I too have hopes that one day I will get invited to Rock Nation brunch. You know, I already have. In my mind, I, I, already, I already I have my extra long classic vintage young Jeezy, you know, long white tee. You know what I'm saying? My baggy white Jabro pants, you know what I'm saying? And a pair of case whistles, you know what I'm saying? I'm bringing it back to like the Diddy era, like fucking. Dude, like, you, like, <laughs> you know, you can't get in the building dress like that, though. How, how like, can I not? Dude, the Rock Nation Brunt is like the Met Ball, the Met Gala for black people. Look, <laughs> I, I, I am mixing my parties together. I'm showing up in pure P. Diddy white party style at the Rock Nation brunch. Uh, there you go. That, that's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah. It's, it's like you know, just dif- different accents. You know, different different accents. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like like you might you can get away wearing some blouses. You know, you can wear some blouses, <laughs> some some floral prints. You know, um, it's all gonna be online this year anyway. So, oh yeah, true. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's just gonna be on Insta- Instagram Live. You know, <laughs> it's all by so. Zoom and shit. <laughs> It's a it's a Zoom you can't get into, basically. <laughs> like we have a Zoom bouncer, you know. <laughs> it's, you gotta click through, it's all pop ups and shit. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's Oh, uh, and on that and, note. And on people, that note <laughs> we'll, we'll see y'all at the next Zoom brunch, all y'all virtually, all our fans. You know, we'll get you through. We'll get you we'll sneak you through VIP. The the back the back door. <laughs> <laughs> what is the VIP at the Zoom brunch like? I don't even know. It's, it's the, the, the secret Twitch channel and shits. <laughs> That's what you, it would you be. Have right? a very specific OnlyFans account, apparently. Uh, it'd be like the Slack channel, like that, that you, you're not a part of. 
Oh, all right. On that note, people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Until next time. We love time. y'all. Until next time. Peace. Peace.